There's always been something special about God's relationship with His people. Always something unique about God's relationship with the Israelites. Things happened to them that did not happen to anybody else. In fact, I want you to listen to to four non-Jews describe the uniqueness of the Jewish people. First of all, Blaise Pascal, 17th century mathematician, uh, French mathematician, said, quote, This people has continued despite the endeavors of many powerful kings who have tried hundreds of times to destroy them. And the Jews still there. Russian novelist Leo Tolstoy, quote, See what kind of peculiar creature the Jew is. All the rulers and all the nations have abused them. They've molested them. They've oppressed them, persecuted them, trampled them, butchered them, burned them, and hanged them. In spite of all of it, the Jew is still alive. Mark Twain, American author, quote, The Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Persians, they all fill the planet with sound and splendor. And then every one of them faded away. And then came the Greeks and the Romans, and they followed and made a vast noise upon the planet, and then they were gone. It's the Jew that saw them and beat them. All things are mortal, but the Jew... All other forces, Twain says, pass, but the Jew remains. Listen to Russian philosopher Nikolai Berdeyev. Quote, the survival of the Jews, their resistance to destruction, and their endurance under peculiar circumstances all point to a particular and mysterious foundation. This people is governed somehow by a special predetermination. So what is it? What is it about God's people that make them unique? We come to Deuteronomy chapter 4, and as you know, Moses is standing on the edge of the promised land speaking to the next generation. I can picture it. Old man standing there. They're going to get to go into the land, but he's not. He has sinned against God. And I can see him standing there, arms up, raised, long flowing gray hair and long flowing gray beard and fire in his eyes and the, the young next generation listening to him because their dads and granddads and grandparents and, 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 and mom and dad had, had all died in the wilderness. And it's the next gen coming up. And so he's giving his farewell address to them. And there are some things he needed to tell them before they went into the land. And they're recorded in Deuteronomy 4, verses 1 through 40. And so over the course of eight weeks, it's a sermon series we're going through, looking at all 40 verses of this great chapter, looking at what Moses is telling the people and calling it Moses Speaks Today because really everything he told them we need today. Our culture needs it. America needs it. Our churches need it. Our Christians need it. So we're going very carefully at what he said. 
And now he approaches verse 31. He looks at the next generation and he says, You are a unique people. And God is a unique God. And then he tells them why. Read with me verse 31. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether such a great thing has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you've heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know the Lord is God. There is no other besides Him. Now, I know this speech took place about 3,400 years ago, but I, I, want us to, I want us to listen in and kind of eavesdrop at what Moses was telling those young people of the next generation. And here's what he said, letter A on your outline, why God does what he does. Verse 31, why God does what he does. Now, verse 31 is actually tied to verse 30. I ended the sermon last Sunday morning at verse 30, and, and really 31 and 30 and 31 go together, but you see, Moses didn't divide it up over eight weeks like we did. He just spoke it, all 40 verses. So we kind of divided it up arbitrarily, looking at each of them. And actually, 30 goes to 31. So let me read 30 for you. Verse 30 says, When you go through the tribulation, and all these things come upon you in the latter days. So in other words, after you go into the land and have lived in it for a while. In the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God, and you will obey his voice. Now listen to verse 31. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you. He, he will not destroy you. He, he will not forget the covenant he's made with you. The word for forget there is to mean is the word actually drop something and break it. God is not going to take you and accidentally drop you. He's not going to take your faith and your relationship with him through that covenant and just drop it and forget about it. It's not who he is. And it says, he says, for your God is a merciful God. Now this week as I was studying for the sermon this morning and I read that for your God is a merciful God and I'm thinking... Okay, yeah, he's, he's full of mercy, and we're to be merciful. He tells us to do the same, and so we need to be merciful like he's merciful. Okay, that's what I thought. No, I was, I was wrong. 
And I was thinking, well, okay, God, God has mercy, and, and we are to have mercy, and mercy is not getting what you deserve. So there are some people, I thought of some of you out there in our congregation, you are really good at extending mercy to people who doesn't, they don't deserve it. And so some of you came to my mind. And then I thought, okay, well, God's the same way. And I got to doing some research, and, and no, it's, it's not the same word. It's not even close. The word used here of verse 31 of God being merciful is the word rahum in Hebrew. It literally is interpreted compassionate or merciful, but it's only used of God, not you. God. Rahum is, is used 13 times in the Old Testament, all of them of God, not of us. So, so Moses is trying to tell the next generation, you have a God who is much more merciful than you are. He'll take you back. He'll forgive. Now, j just to be, to be honest, I, this is kind of how I pictured God's mercy before. I come to God, I bring my sins to him, the same sins over and over, and, 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 and I go, God, I, I'm sorry, I ask forgiveness. And he goes, ah, oh, boy. Okay, preacher, again, serious? All right, but because I'm merciful, I will give you mercy, all right. No, no, kind of a begrudging merciful God. I had him pictured. That's not it. His mercy goes beyond any human's mercy. His mercifuls, his mercy is in a category by itself. So, folks, whenever you come to God and say, I messed up again, Lord, can you forgive me? He's more forgiving than people are. And that's not quite how we have him pictured. And Moses looked at the people that day, next generation, and he said, Look, that's why God does what he does with you. He's merciful. Then go to letter B, verses 32 to 34. So because of that, Moses looked at them and said, you need to ask two questions. In fact, the only imperatives in this passage are in verse 32. It's the word ask, used twice. And, and, and I mention imperatives a lot because in this series, in this passage, those are commandments. Those are commands. So I, I need to know to tell, what to tell you on Sundays. I, I need to know that if Moses says this is a command to God's people, I need to tell you this is a command to you. And there's only, there's only one imperative in this one. It's ask. And so Moses looked at them and said, you need to ask two questions, young people. Two. And I want you to go all the way back to the very beginning of time to see if anything like this has ever happened. Go back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Didn't happen there. Look at the heavens. Ask the heavens from one end to the other. Have you ever seen anything like this? Ask them. Hey, Milky Way with 200 billion stars, have you ever seen anything like what God's done with his people? 
Andromeda, have, have you ever seen anything like what God's done with His people? Uh, Centaurus, Triangulum, uh, Bodhi's Galaxy, have you, uh, Sculptor, have you ever seen what God's done? Have you, have you seen anything like it? No. So people ask the heavens. They'll tell you, you're unique. You're special. Ask time and ask space. And then verse 33, he said, here's the first question you ask. Has there ever been a people like you? Has there ever been a people like you? Verse 33. Did any people on the planet ever hear the voice of their God? That's those Egyptian gods. They never heard what about you, Acadia? Did, did Acadia, did you have, you have a ton of gods. Did you ever hear one of them speak to you out of a fire? And you live to tell about it? No. But Israel, you did. I spoke to, I spoke to your leader. I went to Moses and there was a burning bush and out of that fire, it blazed up and God's voice roared forth. And, and then after you got out of the, the Red Sea, the pass through the Red Sea, and you're out in the wilderness, God had a fire before you. And every night that fire guided you in a cloud during the day. That's never happened to a people before. You're blessed. And then he asked the next question, verse 34. Second question is this, has there ever been a God like Yahweh? Next gen ask, has there ever been a God like Yahweh? Has any God ever attempted to take a nation for himself who, who initiated the relationship and condescended from heaven and came down amongst the people? Has ever a God done that? No. taking them out of the midst of other nations right before their very eyes, accomplished great deeds among them. By the way, the word great deeds there, two words in English, one word in Hebrew, it's the name of the book, it's Deuteronomy. You see, Deuteronomy in, in the Greek Septuagint, as it was translated into Greek, became Deuteronomy, meaning two laws or two words, second law. But originally, Deuteronomy meant great deeds, plural or work, great works that God has done before you. And so he uses the name of the book. Has there ever been a God who has done great deeds like I did in Egypt with terror? I brought you through trials and through signs and through wonders and through war, all with a mighty outstretched arm. Ask yourself, next generation, two questions. Has there ever been a people like you has there ever been a God like him? The answer is no. Why? Go to verse 35, letter C on your outline. Why are you unique? Why? Verse 35 stands alone in the text. It is the answer to the questions. And here's the answer. To you it was shown that you might Know that the Lord is God, and there is no other besides Him. 
So here's what Moses said. Next gen, God didn't choose you because of you. He didn't choose you because you're the smartest or the best or the most deserving of all the nations. He didn't choose you because you're righteous or because you're holy or because you're faithful. Actually, it had nothing to do with you at all. You were chosen for His glory, not yours. So that you would know the Lord is God. And there's none other. So that's our message this morning. There it is. God tells us, Moses challenged the blessed generation, think of your blessedness, think of your uniqueness. Has there ever been a people more blessed than the Jews? No, they are unique among all the nations on the planet. Ask Pascal, ask Tolstoy, ask Twain, ask Berdoff. They are unique among the people. The Jews are the most blessed. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. I, I can think of a people more blessed than them. You. I'm looking at them. The most blessed people there ever was. You have the full revelation of Jesus. You have the full revelation of God. They didn't. So as Moses is standing there and telling them, you're the most blessed, you need to ask two questions. So I'm looking at the most blessed people. You have Christ. So I need to ask you two questions. Christians, go back of all the days past. Have you ever seen anything like it? Go back to Adam and Eve. Ask the heavens from one end of the Milky Way. Have you ever seen anything like First Baptist Garland, Andromeda? Have you Centaurus, Triangulum, Bodhi's Galaxy? What, what, about, what about you, Sculptor? Have you seen anything like it? No, they say. Because you're unique. Go back in history. Go ask space and time. Did any people on the planet... Ever hear the voice of their God? Come unto me, all you who labor. You're heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Just, just as the Father has loved me, so I love you. I'll not leave you as orphans. Did, did this, any such people hear the voice of their God speaking out of fire? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You will see the Son of Man, Jesus told Pilate, 
You the Son of God, I am, and you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory at the right hand of the Father. Has any God ever taken a people to himself? I've not called you servants. I've called you friends. Don't be, let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My peace I give you. Has any God heavens ever condescended to come to, to live among the people and initiate that and actually come down to become one of them? Who being in the form of God, Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Who made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. Has any God ever accomplished great deeds before the eyes of the people? Has any nation, Moses asked, by trials? Jesus went into the wilderness 40 days and was tempted of the enemy. The days were ended. He was hungry and angels ministered to him. By signs, Moses asked. He fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 with the five loaves and two fish. By wonders, Moses asked. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Little girl, get up. Moses asked, by war. And the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and the whole council gathered and went to arrest him. By outstretched arm, Moses asked. By outstretched arms. Church, you're the most blessed people. Not the Jew. It's you. I'm looking at them. But why? Why did he save you? Well, remember what Moses told the people why God saved them? It's the same with you. He didn't save you because you're the best or the smartest or the most faithful or the best he could find. He, he didn't save you just so you could go to heaven. Let me say that again. He didn't save you just so you could go to heaven. He, he didn't save you so life would be more comfortable for you. He, he didn't save you so you could have this fire insurance and I can go out and party like I want and drink like I want and, want and watch porn like I want and do all of this and live like I want and never attend church and never even read his word. But if something happens, whoo, I'm covered. Praise God. That's not why he saved you. So you could have fire insurance. He saved you for the same reason he chose the Jews. You were saved 
for his glory. That people would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's why. So you would know there is no other God besides him. And First Baptist Garland, he has saved you. So you, in turn, as the most blessed people on the planet, serve him with every ounce of energy and fiber and passion that you have. That's why he saved you. That's why. So Christian, you, you're the most blessed there are. The Civil War was a, was a very bloody time in the U.S. history, and I know many of you like to study the Civil War. Every summer, I take a class of uh, doctoral students from DBU that I teach, and we go to Washington, D.C., and from that, we have side trips. We study different kinds of leadership, and we study Civil War leadership, go to Gettysburg Battlefield and Antietam Battlefield and talk about Civil War leadership. In the Civil War, there were about 195,000 people killed uh, some in battle, some by disease, but most of them by infection, of all things. But there was found on the body of one of the Confederate soldiers, lying there dead, and there was a, a note attached to his shirt. And here's what the note said. I ask you, God, for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might be given the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I hoped for. I am among all men most blessed. Church, you, you got nothing that you ask for, but everything that you hope for. And of all the people anywhere, you're the most blessed.